0: Hello and welcome back to The Furnace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's reflection will be a kind of Bible reflection on the first reading today from Genesis, which is one of my favourite scenes to unpack as it is often used in weddings. It is the beautiful account of God creating Adam and Eve. I invite you to have a read if you haven't looked at the reading yet. So it begins in Genesis chapter 2. But if you read from Genesis chapter 1, the creation account has a very poetic style about it. It's very artfully structured. At each day when God creates the heavens and the earth, sun and stars, after each day it says that God saw all that he had made and it was good. After each successive day God declares the same thing. It was good. It was good, and there is a rhythm going on, for the Jewish people understood it as a great liturgical procession as if creation is moving towards something, and the culmination of the procession is the creation of humanity where God declares that it was very good. But then we get to Genesis 2 and the reading that we have today. It is the first experience in the Bible of something that is not good. So what is the thing that's not good? That man is alone. Aloneness. Adam is alone, so God says, I will make a helpmate fit for him. Now, a lot of women might get a bit iffy with that word helpmate, but the word helper or helpmate it doesn't mean Maid or cook or someone who does the laundry or someone to drive you to the gym. But really, it's a compound noun in Hebrew, it's ezer kenegdo, and it literally means someone who stands opposite or parallel to you, who helps, aids, assists, surrounds, protects and even defends in battle. In other words, God wanted to create a battle partner for Adam for they were now to fight together. The word is actually the same word used to describe God himself, especially in the Psalms where it says, The Lord is my helpmate, as, if, as in, the Lord will fight with me. So then God takes a rib from Adam's side and then forms Eve. And the word is actually not a rib, but it actually just means the side, that Adam's side was opened. And then Eve is created. Now people get iffy again because they say that the woman was created second and therefore she is inferior. No, no, you shouldn't look at it like that in that way, for the woman is not created second, she is created last. Remember how I said that creation is moving like a great procession in Genesis? Who is at the end of the procession? It's the woman for the woman is seen as the pinnacle of creation, as if God was saving his best work for last. Have you ever asked yourself, why do you think the bride is the last person to enter the church at a wedding? The wedding procession is meant to imitate the great procession of creation, where all of creation waits for the unveiling of the bride. And that is what leads the man to say, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Now why does he say that? Now in Hebrew and Aramaic, there is no such thing as superlatives. We normally use words like the greatest or the best or the most to describe something to the highest degree. But in Hebrew and Aramaic, there are two ways they did this. One, they would either say something three times and... If you remember what we say at Mass when we say holy, 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 literally means the most holy. Or they would also use a prepositional phrase where we could say something like the king of kings to mean the greatest king or the song of songs, which means the greatest song. So when the man says bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, he is essentially saying you are the greatest of my bone and you are the greatest of my flesh, you are the greatest part of who I am. And therefore Adam gives himself and they become one flesh. And this is the great mystery of the analogy of marriage because it ultimately points to Christ marrying the church as his bride. Has God saved his best work for last in creating Eve, the pinnacle of creation, So, Christ's greatest work was to lay down his life for his bride, the Church. That is why the sacrament of marriage should never be just seen as a human contract, but a supernatural reality, where the God who loved us from the womb raises our love to the very dignity of being a sacrament, an institution of grace now ordered towards leading one another to heaven. This is the beauty of marriage. So let us pray for all married couples today and in particular those engaged that they may renew and uplift their love for each other for better or for worse, in sickness and in health to love and honour each other all the days of their lives. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who in the abundance of your kindness surpass the merits and the desires of those who entreat you pour out your mercy upon us to pardon what conscience dreads and to give what prayer does not dare to ask. Through our Lord Jesus Christ your Son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.